Hello and welcome to Together BHA uh, for a brand new season of Premier League football and what a start to the season it was with a 4-1 hammering of the Hatters. Uh, I just wanted to come in before we start the episode here uh, just to note that we have some really exciting news. Uh, we are beyond pleased to announce that this season of Together BHA podcast uh, is sponsored by Green King Sport. Uh, where football is more than a game. Uh, super happy with this. Obviously, when I started this five years ago, we did not expect to be having any kind of sponsorships or some stuff like this. So uh, I am beyond delighted to, to have a partnership with these guys. Uh, Green King Sport Venues, uh, as you probably know, if you don't, you will now. They're showing every single televised Brighton fixture over the 23-24 season. We have a fair few coming up in the next few months. Uh, and with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it does not matter whether you're based in Brighton, Birmingham, Market Harbour, where I am, wherever you want to be, uh, you can catch every single minute of the action. Uh, so keep an eye out during the season for any kind of events, offers, content and competitions uh, that can put you closer to the action. Uh, we'll be able to tell you all about them uh, and get you some nice tricks and treats as well. Uh, and of course, uh, Albion might have the three o'clock kickoff uh, for the first few games of the season. Um, but if you are not at the Amex for the first few weeks, uh, then why not catch the rest of the Premier League action? on TNT and Sky Sports at your local Green King Sport Pub. Uh, thank you for listening to the show as always uh, and we will continue to provide uh, content for fans by the fans. Let's get straight in to the Luton review. The passenger seat. I'm driving to the groomers and he barks. So I look at him and he looked me straight in the eye and pissed on my passenger seat. Yeah. Yeah, they'll do that. Yeah. And it's just, I mean. I can appreciate the audacity, yeah. but at the same time, it's, it is annoying. I mean, I don't go around doing him. I don't go into his cage and just, <laughs> just, just start pissing on his bed. But maybe that's the retaliation in the world. I was oh. going to say, maybe you should. That's, maybe that's uh... it. Anyway, there we go. You cheat. Um, all right, fellas. Uh, welcome to episode 222, which is a really satisfying number to be able to have our episode number today. Um, and we will be covering all things first weekend of the season. Uh, so how are we feeling? How's our vibe Uh Halfway through the Liverpool-Chelsea game, Manchester United and Wolves to go. Uh, we are sat second in the Premier League table. Uh, how are we feeling before we get on to the actual game itself, everybody? Pretty good. I mean, I think, as we said yesterday, we need a right back. I think that that much is evident. Um, but I think everyone knows that. I'd be very surprised if we finish the window without a right back. Um, so it's handy that we have three games to open where perhaps we can get away with not having a top class right back. Um, that's probably done us a few favours. But yeah, I think happy. Bit of a bizarre game. I mean, 4-1 is obviously is a satisfying result. The weird thing is, is that you can make an argument at the same time for 4-1 being harsh on Luton. But at the same time, it could have been 7-1. So it's a, it's a bit weird. Like it, you could go, you can argue both of it. Um, see, first half we were 
we were not quite at our at our level. Um, but yeah, it was a weird one. It was a really weird one. To win four one is always pleasing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure how I feel about the performance overall. Um, yeah, I, we won four one, uh, and we're about to sell someone for 115 million. I feel great. I feel really good. Um, yeah, I, 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 I tweeted this out yesterday. Outside of Solly March, our goal scorers were um, 21, 21, and 18. Um, like I thought for the most part, the question marks that we had in the team outside of what you're talking about with right back and whatnot, we were like, to who does he going to, he's looked a bit weird in preset looks incredible. Looked like an absolute Cadillac, just, just milling about in the middle of the pitch. Milner looked fantastic wherever you put him. Um, Jao Pedro, despite the just heinous, heinous miss looked really, really sharp. I thought Danny Welbeck looked great. Van Hecker didn't embarrass himself, which was tremendous. Um, Estupinian still looks like one of the best left backs in football. Like, and then we, we bring on like Simon Adinger and we're like, is he going to translate from the Belgian? Like, yes, he is. He's already translated. And then Evan Ferguson probably should have had a brace. Um, was he hit the bar with one like turn shot that he had no right to take? Uh, I am ecstatic. Moises Caicedo, by the time you're listening to this, hopefully for the people not tuning in live, is going to be, I don't give it flying query is but as long as someone pays us for him and he's out um let's go and spend some money i'm 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 happy i'm good yeah I, more positives than negatives obviously and um, we're talking about a 4-1 win but i think like robin said there's there's um some pluses and minuses we'll, we'll dive into i'm sure but on the whole very good we we said last week we've got a bit of an easier start to the season than maybe most teams um and and this is a good start yeah, I think that's the big one too, isn't it? Like the easy start, you want to make the most of it. Um, teams like Manchester City going away to Burnley, never an easy place to go, nearly were promoted, but they need to win that game to kick off a good start to a season. And it feels weird to say that we should be looking at the same kind of thing because uh, obviously Manchester City are leagues above just about everybody in world football. But we had Luton at home. And you would hope to see the same sort of performance come from us. Uh, and I think we saw that today and I think yesterday. And I think Deserby has already said that he wasn't super happy with what he saw uh, in in a lot of ways. He's talking about a lot of players that still need to gel and understand the way they work and all that sort of stuff. But he he obviously sees a lot in Dahoud as well. Like you said, Adam, like he was all over him at the final whistle, loving him. Um, Murphy, so, the chat's not liking Dahoud though. I don't know what, what we might have been looking at a different guy. I thought he looked great. Yeah, I was going to hit on the on the chat real quick. So James uh, James Elliott uh, has Caicedo moved to his boyhood club. Uh, insert club name here. Yeah, I haven't got that on the teleprompter yet. Robbie Keane, Ecuadorian <laughs> Robbie Keane. <laughs> uh, was a great start to the season. Uh, L Dude Brothers, hello, hello. Uh, Alex, never been a bigger Liverpool fan before than right now. Uh, I think that's probably most Brighton fans that haven't grown up with like a sheer hatred of Liverpool. For those that do, it's it's a rough one for them. Um, needing to replace Caicedo to get the bite back in midfield. If it's going to be Gilmore, uh, James would like them to be starting every game. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second because we'll be coming over to the lineups here shortly and what we made of it. Uh, and then Murph as well. Uh, he's not a huge Dahoud fan, as Adam alluded to. Uh, didn't do the job defensively, didn't seem fit into the system, uh, didn't think his link-up play was very good. 
Uh, yeah, we're going to have a bit of a fight, Murph, because uh, I thought he was unreal yesterday uh, from my vantage point, and you may well have had a much better one watching from the TV cameras. So, like, it's always tough because, like, watching from the TV, you see so much more, don't you? So, um, I'm surprised you're not on the train, Josh. I yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> rumors are that this is now just the train. Like the world, like my old world is actually just. It's just like it's one large rail Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I just like envision my old my house around me, but I'm actually just on like the quiet carriage now. Um, <laughs> to take some time to record. Um, let's talk starting lineups because. Uh, Andy Naylor, uh, and I think most people uh, not in the know compared to Andy, pretty much expected a very, you know, the same side that rolled out at Rayo to be the same side that rolled out against Luton. Uh, not the case um, because Mr. Milner got his first start for the club as if he was just had like a rare in preseason and had been playing every game. Nope. Uh, Rested all preseason, proper veteran status at this point, isn't it? Uh, and then straight back into right back uh, and played there as if he had played right back his whole career, um, which was quite funny to watch. Uh, and yeah, we we looked pretty good for him. Uh, Gilmore also dropped out as well, uh, which was a bit of a surprise because, as James said, uh, it looked like he was going to be the one that was going to become a bit of a leader and take over that midfield mantle and even deservedly alluded to it. So it was a bit of a shock to see him out uh, of the system. And I've got to admit, my first thought when I saw it was I was a little bit scared of that midfield duo of Dahoud and Milner and or Gross, because I wasn't sure, no one was sure at the time who was going to play there, um, mainly because I thought Dahoud looked lazy, lightweight, not up to scratch at all during preseason. Um, but... We'll talk about him a lot, I'm sure, but I I felt he was superb. What did what did you think of that lineup? Were you surprised? Uh, any shocks in there? Anybody you would have liked to have seen start? Um, and really, I'd love to hear what all three of you think uh, about the idea that we're going to be looking at giving uh, Steele and Verbruggen a fifty fifty split this season. Yeah, I, my my main one was Veltman on the bench and, and Milner at right back instead. Um, that was something that was a little bit strange to me, but yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Um, and then, it, yeah, the Dahoud Gross sort of partnership, and I think to, to Murph's point in the chat, is you're, you're missing that combative element or, or that sort of breaker down of, of, um, of counterattacks, etc., that Caicedo brings and is so damn good at. Uh, but it, you know, you have to beat what's in front of you. I think we, we can say, you know, Luton have just come up and they're. they're <laughs> Not well. I mean, they're they're obviously vouched to go down for a reason, right? And I think against the better team, and there's no disrespect to Luton whatsoever, because in the first half they were actually quite good. Um, I think the lack of combative midfielder um, didn't really hinder us too much in this compared to many other games that we're going to see this season. So um, it's still for me. I, I still think it's a little lightweight if that's the right word in in Dehoud and, and Gross in the midfield or if it is going to be Milner maybe slightly less so but um you're still missing that that Kaiseido in the middle but apart from that I was fully expecting Veltman over Milner but I'm, I'm glad to have been proven wrong yeah Robin, what do you think yeah that was it I mean I would have gone I would have picked the entire 11 apart from Milner Milner being swapped out similar um but yeah, he was great. I have to admit, I've 
for someone who's been around for what 22 is it 22 seasons he's played now or something so yeah that was his 22nd premier league season for james Um, milner yeah for someone who's been around for 22 years what struck me was that i haven't actually obviously i've watched him play a lot volume of games wise but i realized i've never really focused that much on him no one has in games um yeah, it's probably fair because I mean, he just—I was really impressed. I mean, he just—he seemed to be everywhere. He's got that knack of knowing, obviously, from 22 years worth of Premier League football, of knowing where to be. Obviously, he loves a tackle, which you know is always going to endear yourself to <laughs> to the crowd if you start flying in and making really good tackles here and there. But he just seemed to always know where the ball was going to be. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're probably going to see him play more football than. Perhaps we would have guessed when he was when he was brought in, but I mean I can't see Dahoud and Gross being a partnership that starts a massive number of games. I hope they don't. That's not to do them down, but I think you know against a higher quality of opposition, we're definitely going to need somebody close to the Caicedo role. I mean I don't. I said last week I don't think there's a likelihood that we're going to roll out a direct Caicedo replacement in the next three weeks before the window closes. But we are definitely going to need some more mobility in that central midfield. Yeah, this is the, this was the game, uh, the, the, the home season opener against the, the, well, the smallest club, if you want to be fair and slightly unfair to them in the league, is when you, is when you put your, um, uh, your panache holding players in as opposed to uh you know starting Gilmore with Alzate or something like that you know very very different setup if you're facing someone else um I was I expected to see Mona um you know some some very um forward-thinking members of the podcast maybe last week called him the talisman of the club this season um so yeah I fully expected to see him be rolled out yeah he looked he looked great um I uh as you say like not only anyone's really kept a great eye on Milner because it's it'd be like being a it'd be like being a, a car enthusiast but only for like Ford Mondeos. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they're they're great. It's reliable, it's around a lot, but you're not gonna like oh really get into the Mondeo. But that Milner's a Mondeo and he's lasts for ages and he does a great job and I think he's gonna be really important to the club. Um yeah I, I it, it was a uh, Dahood Dahood is confusing as well, because I can see how s- some people might look at He's got that sort of languid quality, doesn't it? Where he sort of just feels like he's not doing a lot. But then I don't, if you watch back the first goal, for example, he's the one that put through the the pass to Matoma that opened up all the space to begin with. And then he was the one that got it back and then put the second pass through to Matoma that ended up being the cross. Like, if you're looking for someone that replaces McAllister, and we saw this with, yeah. if you're watching this Liverpool game, right? McAllister's ball out to Salah. Like Dahoud's a great replacement from McAllister. Like he might not have the same motor in him, sure, but like his ability to pick a pass out is fantastic. Um, and I, I, I still, like, I, I do think we're going to see a lot more of Billy Gilmore this year. I really do. But I would be, I really would be shocked if by the time people listen to this next week, if we haven't already made a couple of moves, um, you don't bank 115 million with a couple of weeks left in the transfer window and just be like, you know what? Let's continue as we are. We don't need to do anything. We're 100% bringing in a few people. I think it helps that Deserby is very vocal, right? Like if this was a year ago, 
Potter would be like, you know, I'm really happy with what we've got. You know, whatever we decide to do and go forward with, I'm proud to have the players I've got, and I don't see any need to. You know, we're already very strong. Just was like, now we need a Casado replacement. Absolutely, we've got no one like him. We need to <laughs> yeah. sign one. It's like sound. Oh, I'm. I know people are like, oh god, yeah, we do have depth, but like. Christ almighty, like we can't go every season selling our like one or two best players, which is currently the clip that we're at. We saw Kukuro and Basuma last year, which were our two best players that year. And uh, Kaiseido and Makagon, which, you know, arguably you could have said at the time it was in there, but two of our best players sold it. Like, this is, between what, the McAllister fee and the Kaiseido fee, we're looking at the better part of 175 million. Like, yeah, you better spend like that's a hundred and seventy-five million quid hole in your team. We've made like, isn't it? In the last twelve months, we've basically made three, nearly approaching four hundred million quid. If you add in the Caicedo fee, in the last twelve months, <laughs> it's just, I can't I still don't understand. I mean, that's that like that's what four. It's that's like four Amex stadiums, <laughs> and then some, and then some in the last twelve months. And actually, what you know, what we've spent, you know, we've probably spent. Less than a hundred, I'd guess. Probably coming up for a hundred. Yeah, if that. About oh. that. I mean, thirty on Jal Pedro, fifteen on Verbruggen. That's forty-five. Who else we signed for, for cash? Well, the Kudus thing that, that never happened, which was yeah, going to be our Kudus transfer record. But yeah, but, it's like, so yeah. I mean, it's. Did we say Igor? Did we say Igor was at fifteen? Was something like yeah, that? Yeah, Igor was fifteen. So that's, think, yeah. that's sixty million. So yeah, I mean, we're not going to have gone past gone past 100 so I'm, I'm with you i mean i think we're i don't expect us to go absolutely mad in the next three weeks but i think already um you know we we needed players so i'd be very surprised if we didn't sign two certainly probably two or three before the end of the window and i think yeah. the thing with caicedo is that you know it's been as far as tony and paul will be concerned i mean they will have been budgeting on caicedo not being here by the end of the window it's not like it's a move that's come totally out of left field. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they will, it's not suddenly a surprise. I mean, they've probably got, you know, they're probably, they're going to be banking maybe 20, 25, 30 million more than they hoped. Um, that's the funny part. We've now looked at a slightly better caliber of player. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, so they, presumably they will have, you know, there will be, there'll be plans in motion in the background to get, to get somebody in. But, you know, the only risk is that we, you know, clubs suddenly know that we have had this chunk of a hundred odd million pounds rolling in um but yeah i'm, I'm with you adam i think we, we're gonna have there's gonna be two or three coming in we've said we need another right back we're gonna need a caicedo well not replacement equivalent ish um and i still think we might see another attacker coming in two or three so yeah. Um, so Simon in the chat as well uh, thought Dahoud was fine. Milner's experience probably useful in a potential banana skin. And I think that's probably why we saw some of the names we did out there yesterday. I think everyone in this chat and most people listening dream of the day when they're going to start seeing Ferguson and Pedro start regularly together. Uh, but I think there was a very specific set of players picked yesterday for Luton's first game in the Premier League. First home game, let's not be smart, let's not be clever, let's put Welbeck on there, let's get Gross on there who's done everything everywhere, let's get Milner on there that's done everything everywhere, let's get that experience of Dahoud who has done a lot of things with a lot of crazy atmospheres in Germany, let's get your people that are used to this stuff, not go too crazy, 
get these names in that are used to it. Solly March, again, like you could have stuck a dinger out there if you wanted to and go mental, but the right choice, I think, I mean, was always Charles to Pedro go with the names. Right. I mean, someone who's super experienced in English football. That's what I get. Yeah, and at that level, he's... too. He loves yeah. to play Luton. I mean, scored his, scored his first goal in English football against Luton um, yeah. for Watford. Which is a weird, they have a proper, well, they have a weird rivalry, don't they? I suppose, is that weird? They're quite, it's geographically they're quite, quite close, close. Yeah, so they, they have a rivalry. Um, yeah, so he scored his first first goal against them. So yeah, I think it's right putting the, the experienced players out there was good. And then, as you say, the embarrassment of Riches of them being able to bring on Adingra and CISO. You know, the fact that you've got a player that scored arguably two of the best goals in the entire Premier League last season, and he just gets a couple of minutes at the end. Um, Josh, when, do we are we going to have a little? Well, we did a we did a Twitter Spaces thing the other day. When did we do that? Friday. Um, Friday. If you haven't listened, yeah. you you uploaded it as an episode, didn't you? So if you, if you haven't did. caught it, go listen to that. We had Ben Jacobs on. We were talking about this, and of course, if if you don't listen in the next twenty four hours, the information is going to probably be absolutely out of date. But at the time and currently, it's still valuable information. Was good conversation. Um, I still like we've we've not really. Because there's been so much in the internet, in my head as well, I've not normalised what this actually means because the fees we're talking about here are are not logical. They're not normal. Um, or we, we are talking about, and Craig, you, you've thrown some things out online about this because, I mean, you were at the club back in the old days when your granddad took you and all that stuff. And this this team is, no, I'm saying in the sense that, this team is getting a, a potentially 115 million quid for a 21 year old player. Like the this third is, highest transfer fee in history, isn't it? Wait, oh, who's 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 been bigger? Neymar, 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 and strangely Coutinho, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. sounds about oh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is higher than this is higher than Bellingham, isn't it? It's higher than Bellingham, which is mad. I mean, like I say, I was talking to someone recently, and I was like, it's not. It's not that far. It's not that long ago where you could take a few digits off this figure, like three or four, potentially five, <laughs> five digits off this figure, and that's still that's the kind of money we would have been throwing around. Would 150 million have, have, have bought the club in the Withdean years? Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to. Yes. Like, I mean, how, how many times tenfold. over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, assets-wise, if you look at the Withdean era. The asset of the the assets of the club were basically the squad. Yeah, I was going to say that. The so yeah, I mean, a million we considered an asset. That no, was, a it was council council owned. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're talking about I mean a million probably. You look if you added up even if you if you go to the final season at Withdean, and you look at the value of all those players. Well, Adam Elab would have been about 110 million just to load. Yeah, exactly. Play. I mean, you're probably thinking if you were buying the club at that at the final season at Withdean, you're probably thinking five million does buys the club <laughs> like just it's you know, this isn't sane this isn't sane stuff no it's mad i mean tony like i say when tony took over whatever but i think the amex was like 93 million or something nine like 90 100 million so basically kai city yeah i mean it, it you know we, we kind of when you know man city won the league at the amex everyone was sort of laughing about how you know the, the value of their entire bench they had that day was more than the Amex, more than our squad, etc. And now we've got a situation where we're about to sell one player who's played 50 Premier League games. is going to become the third highest player in the history of football and costs more than the Amex. 
And those so stats are still going forth. along as well with Man City. The Man City can't be held accountable. Did you see that thing the other day about how they're, 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 the transfer fees they paid for their defenders are more than Burnley have play, paid for for players in their history? I mean, of, uh, of yeah. Three, yeah. No, I, anyway, I just wanted to bring that. Uh, yeah, I know, I know uh, it's obvious, but like... I am going to drag you kicking and screaming back to the Luton game. So here we go. Oh, yeah, Let's I can go on a David Coop <laughs> rant for in a bit. Anyway, I've got that. Yeah, you up. can. Don't yeah. worry. That's ready for you. Uh, let's talk Luton a little bit. Um, Craig, I'd love to hear your views on this because the end game stats, 27 shots for us, uh, hit the woodwork three times, 12 on target, 70% possession, 91% pass accuracy. Uh, I mean, the, the more technical stats in terms of dribbles and, you know, pressures and all this stuff, we just destroyed them on. They just, we didn't get to see a huge amount of Luton yesterday in all reality uh, and the way they play. But what did you, what did you make of that team that rolled out there yesterday? And, to be fair to them, let's discount that last 20 minutes when their legs had absolutely gone, because if that was a fight, it would have been stopped at that point, I think. Once the third went in, I think like the ref is waving that off in a, in a ring or an octagon. So prior to that, what, what did you make of that Luton team? Um, and we'll obviously get on to the goals that we scored and the fun stuff. But what, what did we make of this Luton side that have just come up um, and come I, in a, you know, first away day for them? I don't think they're that bad. I and I, I I was I guess quietly impressed. I think you know, I have to be completely honest that you're setting quite a low bar for a team that's won the championship playoff final and, and made the signings that they have, right? And I think we've mentioned on a previous pod that they're sort of building their infrastructure and doing it very sensibly, and that's that's you know applaudable, right? So you know you typically you're not expecting too much. This is a team that had the most shots on target or the most shots in the whole Premier League last season versus a team that's just come up. So the the stats obviously don't lie. It was it was quite one-sided, but I was still worried about the counter-attacks that they had and sort of the pace that they had on each of those wings. Um, I thought their right-back did well against Matoma for the most part. Again, leg like sort of legginess towards he the end. He was really impressive. Yeah, he was. Actually, yeah, yeah. is that Kabore? Kabore really and, yeah. and Ryan Giles on the other side as well. Like there's some serious pace in that team on either side. Um, and the, I guess the, whatever, well, the, the counter-attacking that they wanted to do and sort of the game plan that they laid out, it kind of worked, right? They, they still had a few shots on target. This wasn't complete one-way traffic. I think you, yeah. you compare this to the Southampton game that we had at home last season where they just barely got a sniff, right? This Luton team did have a sniff and, and they made a couple of things. Um, dangerous from set pieces, we're notoriously bad at set pieces at both ends of the pitch. So, like, that's a clear thing as well. Um People were tipping them for sort of that Derby County record. I, believe, I honestly believe they'll be nowhere near that. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're sort of their their home form will be pivotal, and also I think they're still a couple of points away from home as well because they're set up well. They've got pace. They've got sort of these sort of players that are going to play for each other. So I was quietly impressed. But you know, you're going against the team that now has depth and reached the Europa League. So you know, you, you have to bear that in mind. But I thought they were okay. You've got Ross Barkley to chuck in there, who they've signed as well, who might do all right. I mean, he's got something to prove. He he's is back well, from his holiday in Nice. Yeah, he's back from his holiday for the to, to you know swapping yeah. Nice for Luton. Nice for Luton, a pretty easy <laughs> flight, but it is. I <laughs> yeah. mean, that is. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Craig. I think they will. I think they'll cause teams some problems, and I think they'll benefit from the fact that we talked about last week, which is the bottom, you know, six or seven, potentially eight teams in the league. 
there are some poor teams there this year. Um, so I think they will cause teams some problems. I mean, I think I still think they'll go down comfortably. Um, I'd be surprised if they got more than 25 points. Um, they, they, yeah, they, I didn't see a huge amount of Premier League quality there. To me, when you looked, and obviously it's early days, it's their first game, but that very much looked like a Premier League team playing a top-end championship team in a cup game. And the and the championship team, you know, giving a good account of themselves, but ultimately coming up short. But Luton have got to do that another 37 times against teams who are going to be even better than we are. So I think they're going to struggle. I just don't see where they're going to get enough goals from because they're going to have to be super clinical with the chances that they get. And I just don't and see it. They didn't prove yeah. it yesterday, did they? Um, Against let's us talk being about... pretty rusty as well in certain areas. Yeah, yeah. We had no numerous chances at the beginning of the game. Uh, Welbeck really should have squared that ball over to Pedro or Mitoma uh, before he took that shot. Then Pedro really should have scored uh, what basically was a tap-in. Um, and then, of course, everybody's choice for first goal scorer of the season. Uh, a really great header by Solly March, of all people. Adam... I'd love to hear your thoughts on this uh, as a long-time Solly March supporter and fan. Uh, what was <laughs> It's exactly what you expected, right? Um, because for me, it actually was. I thought Solly was superb last year. And as I said on the recap pod, he would probably have been my player of the season if he didn't get hurt. And he was also my choice in the Fantasy Premier League, by the way, remember, of the 6.5 infielders. So I've cashed in on that. But uh, what did you what did you make of Solly March's uh, return, basically to to the Premier League? Uh, I have a and short, then of course, the goal. I've got a really bad like short term memory. Who on the pod gave Solly like player of the season at the wrap up? Who was that? Yeah, well, how I, did so you I, feel? I, I came. So you must I, have been This is this is what I expected. No, I said in that I'll I'll put myself on blast here because I did put in the WhatsApp as soon as he like lost the ball once at the start of this game, I was like, get him off. Um. But because it goes back to what we were saying, when you've got players like Adingra and Enciso on the bench that can play that position, you're like, well, Solly's not going to do it. But he looked in pretty. He also got a really nice free kick with some really like neat footwork at one point as well, where he nutmeg someone. Um, I think for the most part, it was the ball that made made that goal. It was incredible ball in from Matoma, but you've got to be there to score it. And he clearly knows that he's got to get right in there at the back post and make something happen. Um, very good from him. Like I, I agree. I know I, I didn't talk about the Luton stuff. I don't really care about Luton or anything like that. But the sides like that are going to organise themselves well. Five at the back, uh, and then eventually they're going to get halfway through the season. They've got a couple of injuries, and they'll fall apart probably. Um, but the fact that we could overcome that here while being really shoddy in the in the first half, like we sort of alluded to, is impressive. And I agree with what Robin said at the start too. I'm really glad Solly did put that ball in because there, there was a really good chance they had from, it was a corner, wasn't it? When Morris got his head up. They yes. were dangerous from set pieces all day. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, that was a bullet header just straight at steel. Lucky for us, um, because if it was anywhere else, they score. And like you said, look, outside of the missed opportunities we had, there was, there's a, there was a, a universe where we could have gone in at halftime at one all, and that would have been uncomfortable. Um, the other side of the universe is we go in half four nil up 
uh, well, we don't screw all those chances. So I agree with what Robin said earlier. So yeah, look, the fact that Solly was there and put the ball in there is enough for me to be like, okay, great. Good on you, mate. I'm coming to you next, Robin, uh, because the less said about the first half after that, the better. It, it felt very much like a Premier League opener, very cagey, some really good chances, uh, but nothing really. It just felt like just rusty, didn't it? The whole thing. But uh, it wasn't just the teams that were rusty. Uh, the officials clearly are not up to their usual top tier standards. Let's talk about both decisions at the same time because they kind of came back to back. Uh, penalty number one and penalty number two. Uh, how did you feel about both of those penalties? Uh, from the ground, from the stadium, from my seat, uh, it looked like a penalty on Pedro. Replays, I don't agree at all uh, on my own first original opinion. Uh, and the second one, we couldn't see, obviously, at the other end of the pitch. So what, what were your thoughts on that, the use of VAR, all of it? I mean, neither of them are penalties, Um I think being without having blue and white glasses on the Jao Pedro one is more of a penalty than the dunk one because a defender does put his arm across Jao Pedro. So I can see why the referee would give it in real time, which I guess tallies with you, Josh, seeing it, you know, from the North stand in real time at that end. You know, he's put his arm across him quite high. Jao Pedro has gone down easily. So I can see why in real time it's been given by the referee. But it's very, it's super soft. Um, and that's one way you think VAR. But I mean, it comes back to, is it a clear and obvious error? Which is what VAR is supposed to be, isn't it? And you go, is that, is it enough of an error? Like, is it clear as an error? I mean, I'm not going to answer that because we could be here for, you know, the rest of the year debating that. But I can see why that, that's more of a penalty. Um, I think it's one, like, if you don't, if we're in a pre-VAR era and that's given as a penalty... I don't think there's a huge amount of controversy around it. Um, the other one with Dunk, I mean, obviously we said last week the handball rule. You know, they've they've changed all sorts of things seemingly over the summer, but they've still not looked at the handball rule. What on earth Dunk is supposed to do? Like how you know what else is he supposed to do? He's not looking at the you know he's not looking at the ball unless he's double jointed. I don't see how he can get his elbow any further out of the way. It's it's a bizarre one. You're going to get to the stage where, you know, players are effectively just booting it into someone's arm, knowing that they're going to get a penalty. Yeah, it's a weird one. I, I think you're, you're right in, in the rules, isn't it? Is I think if the Jal Pedro one, the referee doesn't give it, they're not going to overturn it into a penalty, right? Uh, and I think that that's sort of where it is, is that there's not enough to change the decision of the, the on-field official. And again, like you said, we can talk for days about that. Uh, yeah, uh, with with rose tinted glasses on, I think the the dunk one is obviously not a penalty. You, I don't really know what, like you said, what you what you can do with that, given it's the the trailing arm. It's not even the front arm. So uh, yeah, I, unless unless he wants to bring planking back, like there's really not a lot you can do, is there? No. <laughs> I, I do want to. If you're, it doesn't matter if you're watching the Chelsea Liverpool game right now and listening to us or listening to this on Monday, Tuesday, or whatever. Pause what you're doing. And go back for when the Pedro penalty gets awarded. And just watch what Matoma does with the ball when, before he passes it to João Pedro, because it's absolutely disgraceful. Um, he does this. He basically just does that a little elastico and completely destroys the defender to get round him to put that ball in. It was absolutely magnificent. You should go, please go and watch it. Um, 
Yeah, I, the, I've got nothing else to say. It's just it's stupid. They need to change the rule. Like, what are you meant? I don't understand what you're meant to do. They need to figure something out because I, I understand that if it does hit someone's... Imagine Luton have got a player just behind Lewis Dunk that's going to tap the ball in if it doesn't hit his arm. I get it because you then look at that and you say, well, hold on. It's hit his arm, which is illegal, but he couldn't move his arm. So like, okay, well, we can't really give anything there, but we would have scored. So it's like, what, what do you do in that type of situation? Play a better pass. Play a better pass. <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, you know, I think, imagine <laughs> if, we're in, if we're in that position in, in a few games, we're playing, you know, Chelsea and that same thing happens. It's Levi Colwell. Like, I think we're aggrieved. Uh, yeah, but, I can see that. But I think his, I mean, his arm was still, it's not like his, he's sort of, you know, you could see nat- his natural body position, his arm's going to be at that, at that level. I think it's very difficult. I mean, <sighs> that's what I mean. Like, it, handball, no, it's just a mess. The it's handball not right is as it is. It's not right no. as it is. But it, it shouldn't no. have been a penalty. But also, I understand how Luton fans would have been upset if they got nothing out of it and it was just continue the game on. I, I see James in the chat has mentioned we need to draw, drop Matoma and hide him until the transfer window shuts. I think the news that came out earlier this morning from, Alec, by the way, Alex Crook at TalkSport is now like tier one for us. He's like more reliable than Naylor for rumours. Um, yeah. Which I never thought I'd say about someone works for Talksport, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. apparently we're we're uh, we're signing up to a new contract. Um, so I wonder that would be incredible if we do that. And invariably, you know, it comes to the summer and he, he pulls a Caicedo and and wants to go to his dream club of Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, and refuses to train. But we'll see. This is going to sound really at risk of being offensive, but I don't think that's a particularly Japanese culturally thing to do is throw your boys out of the plan pram and refuse to play. They don't tend to have that profile. Well, he might do it politely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he might yeah, place his, 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 his very carefully that. taking him out of the pram. Yeah, instead of clearing out his locker <laughs> it angrily, it will be done very, like, very neat and tidy. Yeah. yeah. It I'm with Josh, though. I'm, and I see, I mean, I see, like, this he's could be xenophobia, but yeah. Yeah, I, I know what Josh means. Like, I think, cult, you know, from what we can see, he's clearly, you know, super respectful. And but I mean, Kai, to be honest, Kaisido seemed quite, you know, if you look at him on the pitch, I mean, you you wouldn't necessarily think he's going to be the one to sort of rattle, you know, rattle cages like he has done. So, so. Aaron Connolly, you fully expect this behaviour if he was in a similar position, right? You fully, you'd have yeah. been like, well, of course he did. I'd be shocked if he didn't do that. But yeah, Kaisido is definitely. I don't know. This has got to be a bit of him, but yeah, the, the agent sort of poisoning. It's like the Lord of the Rings, where you have got that old king and little grime of worm tongue. That's his little agent. You know, I don't know why I got that from. <laughs> but it's right. I mean, I was reading something this week, which is that we we were we only managed to sign Kaisido because we were the only one to work out who his yeah. agent actually was, yeah. which is which is bonkers. Um, scary yeah, and it, it really it is I mean I expect I expect Matoma's whole off-field setup in terms of who he works with and who he has around him I'm I'm second guessing here but I expect that to be a lot more stable and arguably more professional than Caicedo's is so I'd be very surprised if he if he did the same thing yeah um let's talk penalties uh Craig Joe Pedro Sounds like, looks like, certainly looks like he's a new tried and tested penalty taker, doesn't he? Cool, calm and collected. Uh, as, as expected, right? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, he tried to miss it, but... Um, yeah, got close to saving it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, 
we, we kind of expected that from preseason as well. Like he was picking up the ball every time. So, you know, I think he'll be on them until he misses them, really. I think that's how that's how it's going to work. Is he the biggest bargain in, in fantasy Premier League? Oh, hundred percent at five and a half I think it's five and a half million quid, isn't he? I've put I think him and uh, him and Mbuemo together, both on pens, both playing up front for their respective sides that are both gonna punch at the top eight, nine, uh, ten are level. You, are you Mbuemo's agent? <laughs> if I am, I'd probably do a better job than Kaito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the feeling like watching it? Uh, because I'll tell you how the feeling was inside the Amex when that penalty was scored by Carlton Morris. Uh, I think I felt the collective arse clench of 30,000 Albion fans in that stadium. Because Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. Was, it was a, there was a huge, like, oh, shit feeling. Because we've been there, um, like, a billion times before. In all for sorts four of minutes, scenarios. Actually. It was only for yeah. four minutes. Um, and it actually happened right in front of me. Um, the ball was cleared out. We all thought, oh, that wasn't a very good clearance. And you heard everyone go, oh, we could make something from that. And it dropped to uh, to the fella's chest, chested it down. And we all, like, I don't know about everyone around me, but I thought, oh, that was a good piece of control inside the box. Very calm. Uh, and then he proceeded to simply yeet it away. Um with his shin or his thought, I'm not sure what body part was used. Uh, and a Dingra, who, as you say, had barely been on the pitch, really, um, and had been in the Premier League for more than those amount of minutes, was straight on it and just popped it in the back of the net. And it all happened so quick that I don't think any of us could react watching it live. And I, I don't know if it's the same for you lot, because I didn't yeah, see it, it coming at all. It was definitely depending. I mean... I have I've watched it a few times since and I've got no idea what the defender was trying to achieve. I mean it's almost like he stopped. And yeah, it's a very bizarre goal, very good finish. I mean first time finish. But yeah, dreadful defending. I mean from Luton's point of view, you'd hope that they get that kind of stuff out of their system and that doesn't become a semi-regular occurrence because if they do, then they're going to be in for a very very long season. But yeah, very good finish. Good for him to get a goal straight away. All sorts of positives. And especially, you know, the fact that we, it was similar. It was kind of like that Southampton game, you know, towards the end of the season where it was 2-0. We're going along pretty happily. Then they get a goal back. Then suddenly it's, you know, 2-2. VAR chalk it off and it's still very nervous. And you kind of feel like you need someone to step up and get a goal. It's that kind of vibe where, you know, for a few minutes, like you say, Josh, Virtually everyone in that ground, certainly anyone that's been following the Albion, you know, for a while, thinks that that is going to be that's going to be two two fairly quickly. So yeah, it was fortuitous to get given that, but yeah, woeful defending. It's those sort of mistakes they need to cut out, isn't it? I think you you can get away with those in the Championship every now and then, but you, you you're going to get just put to the sword if you if you make those types of mistakes. But yeah, I mean it. Josh, like you said, it was it was so quick. You you kind of missed it. It was like, all right, that looks like it's just being kicked out, out of touch, out you know, and out of thought, out of mind. And it's a good finish, right? And to get him, well, to get a dinger off the mark so early as well, um, and, and get him adapted, but also give him the confidence of the first goal, um, it's going to do him wonders. It wasn't an easy was... take. It was like a volley, wasn't no. it? No, mm. yeah, it was yeah, the first time volley. Well, yeah, it was it, tricky. And Pansy basically teed it up for him. But, yeah, but, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's gone. What? And he went sixty. Yeah, he's effectively gone near. I mean, he's gone near post, hasn't he? He's gone the harder 
he's gone kind of gone the harder route as it were um but yeah good good finish it was, i thought i thought the referee had blown his whistle like that's why i thought the defender was doing that i didn't understand what was going on i thought the game had stopped <laughs> Uh, genuinely yeah uh, it did look like that because he chested he kind of chested the ball as Joe said great control to chest it yeah. and I thought the same it's like oh the referee's blowing his whistle for some reason he's yeah. just dicking around with the ball but no it turned out he had yeah just suddenly his brain was like what am I doing why am I here um, and then obviously it's a bit of a shame that it was you know that player who's the, you know, the only one who's come up from the conference to the Premier League with the same club um, yeah which Jamie is a, a terrific it's a great achievement, but yeah, that's your welcome to the Premier League, which is that, you know, he'd be disappointed with that bit of defending if he was playing for Luton against Solly anyone in the conference. <laughs> I mean, that's, but to do it on your Premier League debut at, you know, your team's just got back into it um, and you've just, you know, we'll you've just that. destroyed we'll the whole that. thing. <laughs> yeah, but, I yeah. think once that, once that third went in, uh, it became really quite dangerous uh, for Luton because for the next three or four minutes, it felt like it could become cricket score very, very quickly. Ferguson obviously hitting the woodwork um, and Pascal Gross suddenly decided he was just going to play wherever he wanted uh, and the majority of those positions were in the 18-yard box of the Luton defence and they would not know where he was going to show up. Um, I'm, I'm honestly surprised he didn't score yesterday uh, with the positions he kept finding himself in towards the end. And his little near post free kick where he went for goal. Yeah, yes. that, was, that hit the post, I think, didn't it? It, it looked did like hit a the key, post. It looked like a save in yeah, real time when I looked at it. But then when I was watching a match today, but yeah, he loves that kind of near. Loves going sort of near post when everyone's expecting him to go cross. Goal. I've got a fun story about that moment actually uh, at the ground. I may be beginning the, to witness the beginning of a blood feud straight in front of me between season ticket holders. Oh, uh, God. Was, yeah, give us yeah. some on-the-ground reports. So there was, there was a lad, uh, a 10-year-old kid and his granddad to the left of me, and there was another bloke with his kids. at the, the bit, They were a bit older, the other lads. They're probably teenagers. And the lad, in, the bloke in front of me was standing up a lot when we were getting close to scoring, stuff like that. He was very excited. Um, and to be fair, most of us were, right? Like, most of us were, like, standing up there was a corner on the right hand side and you couldn't see it you stood up to see where like what was going to happen most people were doing it uh these two were not though they stayed sat down and he just snapped this bloke this bloke just absolutely lost his shit at that specific free kick because we all stood up and was looking at this free kick because it was like very tight angle wasn't it and he goes can you f into there was a lot of expletives he was like can you sit down uh this is like there's 10 year old kids here that can't see because you're studying their way. And I really imagine the scenes if one of them's listening to this right now, they're in the chat. Um, and uh, the other boat was not very happy with this command to sit down and they go into a bit of a back and forth. They both missed gross hitting the post, by the way, at this point, because we're all watching that. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm going to touch on that. And I'm going to go, I'm going to have zero sympathy because to be honest, you've got a season ticket in the wrong part of the stadium. That was that. that was exactly the response he said. We're in the north stand. People are going to stand up to see things if they want to stand. There's up. a family stand, in the east stand for that reason, or you can exactly. go anywhere else. So I've got the zero. Plot thickened, I'm not. Though. Yeah. Anyway. Well, what happened? So the plot did thicken. They got really heated with each other, and it kind oh, of just all, it all kind of filtered out a little bit. I think because the teenage kids kind of calmed the bloke down. I was like, don't get involved with him. And the other guy was like shaking with anger. He was so fuming with his ten year old. Anyway, 
I'm waiting for it to all kick off again. Every time we get a set piece, anything, I'm like, oh, here we go. A little bit of fisty cuffs right in front. I thought the boxing was later on, but I might get a little extra pre-main event. And then the third goal went in for us. Adingra popped that ball in. The dad and his 10-year-old just bailed immediately. So I reckon they were Luton fans. Oh, interesting. That was my theory, was two Luton fans had got tickets in the north from someone because they walked out the moment that third goal went in from Adingra. Nothing. No celebration, no happiness, just bounced, walked out. But what, were they, they like when the penal- what were they like when Luton like. got a penalty? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention at the time because I didn't know there was all this drama going on. Yeah. So, but like... I'm thinking back on it, and they never really was stood up from what I could remember. So I'm wondering if they were Luton fans. But the best part is, is both the man in front of me and the older man insisted they were season ticket holders and insisted they'd sat in those same seats last year. So, <laughs> so but they've never seen each other. Never. So, like, the drama, unbelievable. I can't wait for Newcastle at home, see which one shows it, which one was the imposter. Um but it was a it was a superb experience uh, to just add to the day. Uh, I love that it took us about seventy three minutes as Brighton fans to get into a fight with our own fans on day one. Um, <laughs> superb stuff, uh, just unbelievable drama. Um, and then Evan Ferguson. Yeah. Let's talk final goal, uh, and then we'll get onto the players as well. Evan Ferguson um, popped in for a goal, just nice and easy at the end. Absolutely yeeted a ball almost over the yeast stand with the celebration um, and was very happy, as you would expect. Looked very dangerous in the minute he came on. How long until we see the Ferguson-Pedro combo up top? Um, not very long, I wouldn't have thought. Probably the game for it will be... What's our next home game? West Ham? Yes. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw it for the West Ham game. Well, West Ham's notorious. It's the easiest game of the season, West Ham at home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, not, not very long. Um, not very long at all, I wouldn't have thought. The Ferguson, again, that, that, that chance he had where he hit the woodwork, he just was just he was facing the other way and he just span and, and dink this shot, which really should have just nestled and, and got him a goal. I think he was, I think he's probably an opinion owner in fantasy because everyone's <laughs> waiting for that assist at the end. And he, he was yeah. like, I'm getting on the end of that. There's no, you're not going to tell me otherwise. Because Adingra was right yeah. behind him. Yeah, no, he was not allowing that to happen. No, he said, get out of the way, mate. I'm about I'm four times that. the size of you. That's but, mine. But he's, he's, I mean, I keep having to remind myself that he's only just 18. Yeah, he's 18. Yeah, him Which and Joe Pedro I mean, up front is, is, I mean, it's embarrassing. They've got the combined age of James Milner, haven't they? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's ridiculous. He's, you know, all just a little bit older than Joe Pedro's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, don't, don't look, yeah, don't, yeah, cut it. We'll cut it out. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but no, Ferguson. Ferguson's the one I do really worry about. Is in the sense that. Um, so I went on a Newcastle pod the other day. Now, I really like Newcastle fans. They're, they're a great fan base in my opinion, outside of the ones that do the Saudi stuff, which is like some of them. Um, they, and there was, who else was on there? It was a Liverpool fan. There was a few other fans of different like clubs that are in Europe, which was weird. I felt like a fish out of water. And as soon as we brought, we're talking players, Ferguson was the one where they all started like getting all 
frothy mouth, glassy eyed about him. Um, and he's the one they're all looking for because you've seen, we've seen in general what a out, an out and out good number nine that can perform in the Premier League is worth. Yeah. And he is, he's it. Like we're seeing, we just, we've now seen enough where you're just like, this guy is it. Can um, I tell, I've got a, I've got nuts. a little anecdote. Well, I've got a little snippet from when Ferguson signed for the club when they scouted him so he'd have been what 16 15 when they mm. when they signed and he chose brighton over a couple of other bigger clubs yeah over right? liverpool specifically yeah. but they and i've said this a few times on whatsapp group um and the club probably won't thank me for saying this but um when when they signed him i heard from a few people very close to the club that they that they truly believed he was going to be the next alan shearer when they signed him and that's that's basically where we're headed yeah I, I, mean, I think he's that, was he's, really funny the other day. Do you see that as well? Not to go on a side sidetrack, but when Kane left, he put out a little meme with his faces on a pilot's face with a plane. Like, come on, Harry, I'll take you to Munich. Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. But yeah, Gary, I mean, Gary Lineker was trying to... I don't know if you, obviously, stateside, you probably didn't watch the match of the day last night. Um, Gary Lineker was basically trying to sell Ferguson to Spurs as Kane's replacement immediately, which wasn't particularly helpful of him. Well, this, this uh, hasn't... Um, Evan Ferguson scored uh, more goals in the five minutes coming onto the pitch yesterday than Richarlison did last season. So, uh, yeah, I suppose Basically, it's probably... Yeah. Um, probably but he is... I mean, he, we're lucky at the moment in that Caicedo and Ferguson are... In my, I mean, they are like generational talents. Yeah. We're not going to see... We're not going to see many of them coming along. Um, but he is, you know... The fact he's just 18 and he looks like, you know, physically... He's, he doesn't look like an 18-year-old. The way he reads the game, similar. Uh, he just doesn't. He basically doesn't care the the the, the defender he's up against. He's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bully you. Don't care. His instinct, his finishing is obviously brilliant, and he's just he's he's about as close to the complete package as you can get. Really. Yeah, he's the next. He's the next hundred. Well, whatever the inflation will end up being, he's going actually know hundred. 50 million pound player but yeah it's it's crazy isn't it like the um i forgot what i was going to say i was it's about that generational thing that you were sort of just talking about but that's why last season was so spent we we basically had a generational talent in like every position like ferguson up top caicedo in midfield levi colwell i put into that same conversation and obviously jason still yeah oh naturally yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was a long setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's talk Man of the Match. Uh, I'm really intrigued to hear your, your three Man of the Matches. And uh, I'll tell you why. Because Brighton Twitter's fan vote gave us one name. The sponsors gave us another. And Luton fans all the way home gave me a totally different one. And my one was different from all the rest. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear who you lot have. Uh, as your man of the match for this one. Um, let's start with Adam, because he loves to go last on these. Oh, oh I didn't expect that. Uh, <laughs> I know. Man of the match. Yeah, I might just steal James's one in the in the chat. I, I mean, SD Pinning was fantastic, wasn't he? He really, really was. Um, he could have had a couple of assists. He could have had a goal as well, if I remember at one point. Um yeah, no, he was he was he was fantastic. I think SD Opinion's a good shout. I'll I'll, I'll love my voting for him. And by the way, the sponsors' vote 
famously is always just an absolute farce. I, I don't think I've ever been to a Brighton game back in the day where they named the sponsor vote, man, and imagine, and I've gone, oh, yeah, that's a good shout. It was Pascal Gross, by the way. Oh, I still don't agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me Purvis. I I had Purvis as well. I, I I just thought he's he's bionic in the way that he <laughs> plays football. Um, it's just yeah. I, we always have that one player every year that is like that default man of the match, unless someone does something absolutely special. Um, it was Caicedo last year. I assume it will be Estepinion this year in in just the level that he plays at so consistently as well. He's so good. Just like. You're talking what 93, 94 minutes in, and he's the one making the overlapping run. Like, it, yeah, it's insane the energy that he has. Um, so it was him. I think notably, I think there was a, f- a few people that played really well. I thought Jao Pedro was really good and, and sharp. Um, I thought we talk about Ferguson and stuff, but a, a special mention to Welbeck, who apart from a couple of dodgy touches, was on the whole actually quite good um, and and did really well. Um, that's the only thing with Ferguson is he's going to have to sort of slot out Welbeck in that respect. And like I said, apart a few dodgy decision-making, um, I thought he was very good, but Purvis was the best player on the pitch for me. Um, but you could make an argument for a couple of others. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, three from three. I'm going Purvis as well. I mean, he was, he was brilliant, especially, you know, we said last week, he's been doing that basically every game since he arrived. So to have that level of consistency, and level of fitness um, is is amazing. I mean, I'd say you can make a case for him. Surely there cannot be many left backs or left wing backs in world football who have been more consistent over the last 12 months than he has. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I, I wouldn't say so anyway. Um, what was the view from was the mine. ground, Josh? Same thing. He was mine as well. Unbelievable. Yeah. At the time, he wasn't leading the Twitter vote, but he has won it. So that's my fault. It's also the fans' vote on Twitter now. Uh, he was unbelievable from my perspective as well. Like, just outrageous. I was a little bit worried when he got booked so early in the first half. But I actually thought that was a well harsh booking because similar to where... Oh, it was stupid. Done, and we'll get... Let's stick a pin in it. We'll get to that. Yes, please. So... Yeah. Uh, S opinion, though, I thought was my man of the match as well. Four from four from four. Uh, I thought he was superb, unbelievable. Thought the yellow card was an absolute fast, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and like you said, like when we went on the attack in injury time, you know, at like the 97, 94 for me or whatever it was, and someone was bombing down that left side, I was like, who is that? I was like, Jesus Christ, it's Purvis again. Like he was just absolutely, it's just unbelievable. And then he switched to right back for a little bit just by accident the one of the corners there at and i was like christ he looks great at right back <laughs> like what is going on like he just looks unbelievable all the time um but i did also want to give a bit of a shout out to van hecker because he has come under a bit of shit here on this podcast and throughout the album fandom of is he or isn't he even premier league level let alone brighton level at this point with what we the idea deserve he has and the way he wants us to play right and i thought he did really well yesterday uh, it looked like he relished the physical battle uh with morris i think donkey loved it too uh but it was nice to see van hecker really in, you could tell he was enjoying that fight um his pass accuracy was insane by the way 97 percent from 73 passes he basically didn't put a foot wrong all game um and i think 
as much as we like to call out when he plays like shit, I think it is fair, even after winning 4-1, that we point out that Van Hecker was really good yesterday. Um, and I think that I hope he puts in more performances like that uh, than the ones we've seen him put in in the past. Um, yeah, he was so great. He's the backup man of the match in some ways because it, this is incredible performance when you know you're playing against essentially a championship side with seventy percent possession. Like it was, it was stunning. That's his, that's his level. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk <laughs> championship. Let's talk championship level or below and talk David Coote yesterday. Um, Craig, I'll start with you. Could you? <laughs> Your eyes lit up at the idea of talking about it. Well, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to Adam's rant more than anything else. But I'm, like, I might not do it. I might not do it. People are going to stop listening. I just we, we're talking about the penalties as well, and the VIR was involved in there, and, and fantastic, whatever it is, what it is. Um, but the the yellow cards, I think, especially they're clearly setting a standard for this season, right? Like no more waving the imaginary flag uh, card. Sorry, Mac just like, got a yellow just, card for doing that. Yeah, while we're so, talking. You had a Rotherham player in the championship get sent off for doing it yesterday. So, you know, there's, there's a second yellow there. They're not holding back on that. So there's clearly sort of certain things. But I thought yesterday all of the yellow cards were pretty soft. I, I just thought they just weren't necessary in any way. The Estepinion one, again, immediately made me worried. It was like he barely did anything. It's 17 minutes into the game or whatever it was. Um, I just thought they were all sort of soft and weren't, weren't warranted uh, in in that sort of way um so i'm worried about the amount of penalties this season i'm also worried about the amount of yellow cards that we're going to get um and the impact that has on suspensions and, and collective red, like yellows and reds and stuff so i hope it doesn't stay at this level um but we know <laughs> we know the referees not very good anyway but it seems like the new rules coming into place means that there's an influx of yellow cards as well as added time which we know but he was crap there you go <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got literally zero, zero else to add on that. Craig's covered it, and I'm just going to leave the floor to Adam to. Ah, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I just, it, uh, it just continues. I remember for, uh, his name stands out to me. I was angry at him last year for something as well. He was crap in another game of ours, and it's just, it just continues to be crap. And you can't give a yellow card that early on in a game because that, that can be the difference maker in a game. If you've got a you know a, an aggressive right winger pushing Purvis back, and, and he suddenly has to play a completely different game on a yellow card that he's picked up like thirteen minutes in, it's just it's just uh, it's just silly. And let alone all the ridiculousness that happened with the penalty shouts and whatnot. Like it's just um, it just continues to just be crap refereeing performance after crap refereeing performance. I do like though that they are cracking down on the. You know, the brandishing the fake yellow card stuff. But I agree with that. I also hate how the players gather around referees and start like throwing profanity. Like, I, I would just send them off for that. They'd stop doing it. But you know who's like the worst person in football for the fake yellow card? Lionel Messi is, and I'm very much on the Messi side of the Messi Ronaldo debate. Like, I'm 99% Messi. I think Ronaldo is like a very, very good player. Messi is the best player. But he's absolutely horrendous for that. Even in the MLS, it's like doing yeah, all this. Yeah. Get a grip, mate. Come on. I've just looked up David Coop refereed us. Yeah, yeah. So he refereed us last season. He refereed the he refereed the cup game against Liverpool in January that we won two one. He refereed the one, the we one beat... where we got an apology for because Fabinho should have been sent off. Ah, there you go. Yeah, correct. There you go. He refereed us when we beat Wolves six nil. 
and he refereed us on the final day of the season against Villa. So it was the Liverpool one that was in the your Liverpool head, one. Must have been that. That's thank you for yeah. Shocking there you decisions there. The, the, the career ender challenge for Fabinho. Now he's yeah. got to live out live out his days in the desert. Not to complete sidetrack as well. Have you seen what Al Ali are doing? I don't know why I tried to pronounce that like a Saudi. They're trying to sign what in one day they're signed. They're trying to sign Neymar, Zelinsky from Napoli, and then some and other. Mi- and Mitrovic. And Mitrovic. Yeah. And they've already got like a bunch of like very good players as well. Aren't they the ones with St. Max? Uh, for uh, Firmino, who scored a hat trick, and, and Mares. Yeah, already. What's the point of playing in the league? Just having and you know, and the league is still the like the teams. clips I've seen. The league is st- it's still woeful as well. It's just it, I did, it is annoying me though because like it's taking good talent from a league that I would watch and we would watch to something now that. I'm just going to see some little meme on the internet for like when Firmino scores like six goals in one game or something. Great. Well, Josh, let's, let's not pretend that when the new football manager comes out, we aren't going straight to a Saudi save. Let's, let's, not, <laughs> I, let's uh, not kid ourselves here. I will be, I will definitely be taking a look at the Saudi ultimate team groups. That's for sure. See if yeah. those prices are low because it's an unfashionable team. to Yeah. Ultimate uh, team. Absolutely ruined as well. Yeah. What are we going to yeah. do about that? Um, we had 4.1 XG yesterday, by the way, fellas. Outrageous. Yeah. I mean, obviously that includes the pen, which is obviously yeah. a big bunch of that. Um, but still, that's that's a lot. Uh, we hit the woodwork four times, up, right? Isn't that what you said? Three, three or four? Three. Yeah. 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 We've so Welbeck, we Welbeck hit it. Welbeck, Gross and Ferguson then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Welbeck's yeah. one was like, the. <laughs> I mean, he's hit the he's hit the woodwork, but that that's... Was that the uh, the one the, that kind the, of dribbled, like basically yeah, dribbled quite slowly? It. Yeah, the the worm burner shot. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at uh, this coming week then, uh, because the the Dominic Mysterio on a pole match, uh, otherwise known as the custody of Moises Caicedo, uh, <laughs> game has finished one one, um, and the feud continues between Liverpool and Chelsea for Caicedo. Uh, it's a very one sided feud because. Chelsea's going to pay the agent a shit ton of money. But prediction, uh, will we get that deal done this week? Yes or no? I'm going to go with yes because I'm manifesting it out of desperation. Yeah, we will. But I mean, what would be quite funny is if Chelsea can't afford the price, which isn't, if you look at the FFP, I was looking at it, they've got to sell, to meet FFP, they've got to sell over £220 million worth of player by the end of next June. Well, what's the punishment? They don't get to play in Europe? Cause All that's sorts not of stuff. Points them, deductions, can't play in Europe, financial penalties. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be quite amusing if they can't pay it. At that stage, does Kaisido go back to Liverpool with his tail between his legs and go, mm, I, don't, I didn't mean it, I do actually want yes. to play for you? Apparently, that's exactly what's been said uh, by his agent. Has basically said, if Chelsea don't match it, then we'll come. But if they do, then we don't want anything to do. But yeah, I mean, I think it'll be done. I think it'll be done in the next couple of days. I sure hope it's done in the next couple of days. Christ. But I mean, it's 115 million plus a sell-on. Which is... outrageous business. Yeah, that sell-on's 100 a week ago. 
The sell-on's pointless though, because they're going to sign. Because Chelsea, they're going to have to do their silliness. It's going to sign a fifty-five-year contract. It's going to be like a. Well, he's going to sign a. He's going to sign a nine-year contract. <laughs> What's the, what a great sell-on that's going to be. Yeah, man, we're going. I mean, it's no wonder he wants that contract, though, is it? Like, he can do anything he wants and still going to get paid, isn't he? He could have no, like a really. DJing career with Lacardia if he wants, and like it's not going to matter because he's got a nine-year deal. They're no. going to have to pay him. Well, as we know, he loves signing long-term contracts and then seeing them through. So yeah, it's perfect. For I him. just yeah, I mean, in seven, in two years' time, with seven years left on his deal, he's not going to play. He's going to refuse to play for Chelsea because Real want it. And that would be absolutely wonderful to watch. That uh, that's no longer our problem at that point. No. Um, let's talk about next week. I hate that they're playing tomorrow because we have no idea what this Wolves team is going to look like. But on the surface, it is a team in total turmoil, isn't it? They've just lost their manager over quite clearly disagreements at just about every fundamental level of running a football club. They are basically doing nothing in the transfer window. Um, they can't. They're losing. They're lo- no, exactly. They're losing good players. Traore's gone. Raul. Well, for whatever Jimenez is worth these days, the broken Jimenez uh, over the last couple of years has gone. Uh, they've really got nothing. Um, and they play Manchester United tomorrow. Obviously, it's at Old Trafford, so this is going to be their first game at Molyneux. What are, what are we thinking that we might see here? Rotation in the squad? Do you think he goes with the same 11? What, I mean, I'm assuming we're all envisioning this game unless they come out tomorrow and tear United apart and look like the best team in the league like I'm assuming we're all considering this one of those away days that we we genuinely hope and expect to come away with a minimum of one if not three points right yeah definitely I mean I think we might see Ferg I think you'll probably see Ferguson start um but yeah it's really difficult to predict it's really difficult to predict what what they'll be like but you're right you've got to expect especially with our easy start relatively easy start you've got to go on a little run and i think i saw something like it was in the commentary i think that even though we finished sixth we didn't win more than two consecutive games last season is that right that the commentator pulled it out premier league wise might be wrong but this seems like fake news hold on let's go to the stats we did. What was it? We didn't. We didn't win two games. Something like we didn't win more. We didn't win three. three so I don't think we don't. I don't think we won three Premier League games in a row last year. Um, James said in the chat that it's going to be interesting to see how this new vintage of Derby manages to overturn. Good, good stat. It is a good stat. So my point is going to be: so if we can start, if you can win, if we can win at Wolves, then you're left with West Ham at home which traditionally has been obviously a, a fortunate game for us. And then you can start to go on a proper little run. So I think it's well, quite important. Because Newcastle we... can visit in then. I mean, yeah, I'm still. So, yeah, I think, I think it'd be a game. He's going to, he's not going to be complacent. I won't, I don't think we'll see a bunch of changes, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Ferguson start. I could, I could see Veltman starting as well. It just it sounds like a it just sounds like a Veltman game to me. Um, I yeah, I, you, you stay with Van Hecker and Dunk as well, don't you? So that that's sort of, that's your back four. Um, we, we didn't even touch on Gilmore, and sort of it, he only had a, a fair few touches, but I think he's much more of a ready-made replacement for us for Caicedo than anyone else. So um, I don't really know what happens there, but. Half of my brain is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like just go with go with the same. But then some of it is 
we do need to rotate here um, because we now have the depth to rotate and it's beneficial if we do. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it'd be interested to see what Wolves do. I'm looking through their team and how many players they've lost. I have no idea what they're going to look like. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's so it's, annoying they play tomorrow. Like, I would yeah. love to see what absolute mess is performing on that pitch tomorrow. <laughs> I hate that they're the Monday night game. Um, but, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, is there? But, yeah, like you say, there's there's an opportunity for a really nice little run here to open up our season. Uh, nine points. It has to be nine points. So we're fu- we fully expect 1-0 Wolves then, don't we? Like we've been here, <laughs> we've been here long enough to know that's what's coming. Not, not with, I, I, I agree, but I tell you, there's just something, and I think Spurs fans need to be excited as well. Just, I know they didn't get the win today, but um, the, the, the Ange Postacoglu, the way he's got them playing as well, feels like a similar sort of um, evolution for that, for that team. Um and if anyone watched that Spurs game today, I think it was the best Basuma performance you've seen since he was in a Brighton shirt. And I think you maybe said that via the chat as well, Craig. He was he was magnificent for them. They looked they looked very good. So yeah. I think well, you know this is I don't I'm sure I'm going to say all this now. We are going to lose one nil towards, but I, I really do just like I just think Deserbi is capable of getting these players to go out week in week out and just like we'll go there and we'll smash them or we'll smash yeah. West Ham. And yeah, sure we'll slip up maybe against the Newcastle Man United of the world, but that's. That's right. And the Newcastle love has gone too far. The loving has gone too far based on that performance yesterday. I see articles today about how oh, Tonali's the next Gascoigne. He's played one game. One game. And he's not even, he's, he's a defensive midfielder. He doesn't really like getting forward. He just made one run. Yeah, it's gonna, they're going to be a tough team, though. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what that trajectory looks like once the Champions League starts. They haven't got massive strength um, in depth. I think you may see them drop off. They've got, they've got no depth, really. No, they've been very lucky to not have that many injuries. Obviously, bar Callum Wilson being out. Yeah. Well, their FFP is completely scuffed as well. That, that's what they had to sell St. Max to themselves for, for that yeah. reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've still yeah. got Dan Burnett left back as well. So... They, you know, as as good as he is for them, right? They're not talking about true depth here in a Champions League no. team. So, yeah, not a chance. Not yet. All right, I think that about wraps it. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's still three weeks to go, Craig. <laughs> By the time we play him at the beginning of September, they may have signed a whole new. Squad. They could be one sixteen um, for Casado in about an hour. Sold, sold Dan Burn to Al Hilal for 170 million and bought a whole new eleven. Um, that's a documentary right, fellas, I'd like I to think see. That's everything. Dan Byrne goes to set. I would love to just witness his first two weeks in Saudi Arabia. What a fish out of water comedy that would be. The I'd, I'd be on board with that. Yeah, just make it like the, office, like the office. Burn in the desert. That's perfect. Yeah. The title's done. Yeah. Ship it. Yeah, that would be superb. Um, yeah, I would, I would watch that to be fair. be like hard knocks on steroids, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> All right, fellas, I think that's everything. Uh, we'll be back next week for Wolves. Uh, keep an eye out this week. If the Caicedo deal goes through and more drama somehow unfolds, we might throw another space out there and see if we can have a little chat about that. If he just moves for 115 million quid, it's just not, not that much of a big deal, we, really, is it? So. We had 17,000 people. This sounds nuts, by the way. Almost as obscene as 115 million, but we had 17,000 people listen to that space the other day. Uh, about five were there from from me and Josh, and you know, six seventeen thousand and ninety five were there for Ben Jacobs. But still, 
join our next it was one. still ours it was still, it was still ours. our so name we was on it yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. wasn't the ben jacobs space was it it was no exactly yeah no, that, no. Yeah, yeah yeah Seventeen thousand nuts isn't it uh, yeah, even if almost all of them were Chelsea bots that were just pure living and sending abuse in. Yeah, we were just no getting abused, saying, saying we were crying about Caicedo leaving. <laughs> the best part is, is they sent loads of abuse and Spaces was broke because there were so many of them, so they didn't even get to send us abuse so we could see. So yeah. it was all it was for the best best outcome, really. Um, so we will be back next week, probably about the same time, same channel. Um, and yeah, we'll talk Wolves, hopefully uh, a good ending to that one as well. Uh, Robin, are you going to be at Wolves? Uh, possibly. I have got a ticket. I'm not sure at this point. It's a, it's okay. a, it's a, a strong. It's a, dis- it's a discussion that needs to be had internally. Okay. Put it that way. Inter- <laughs> internal discussions. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be. I will be there. Um, so one of us will be there to take a look at how yeah. it looks on the on the ground. Um, all right, fellas. Have a good week. Uh, yeah, I'm sure too. everyone else will uh, listening in. Uh, and be safe. Cheers. Bye. Nice. Thanks. Thanks.